Trespassing on government property, you will, yes. George Lucas cribbed all sorts of stuff when he was making the Star Wars movies. Joseph Campbell, Akira Kurosawa, hell, he even nabbed some ideas from a young Quentin Tarantino who was just a kid at the time. Bully. Little known fact, due to a rushed production schedule during its original theatrical run in the summer of 1977, the third reel of Star Wars actually was Kurosawa's Seven Samurai. They just spliced it in, hoping no one would notice. Little or known fact? While Chewbacca may be the most famous Wookiee in the Star Wars universe, Wookiee is perhaps better known as a unit of measurement in Slovakia. It's used when measuring distance with time. How far is it from Bratislava to Nova Banja? Oh, about 11 Wookiees. Roughly 1 hour 46 minutes. Littlest known fact? George Lucas got the idea for Luke's crash landing slash Jedi training on Dagobah from a 1962 news story in the West Milford Messenger about a downed naval airplane in the suburbs of New Jersey. Now, I know you have a lot of questions. Fortunately, I have answers. Top of the list. Why does the Navy have airplanes? Okay, I don't have the answer to that one. It makes no sense to me either. Next question. Why is it in Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, Leia's mother dies moments after childbirth, but in Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, Leia remembers her mother vividly? Uh, George Lucas hates Star Wars. Next question. What the fudge happened to that plane? Okay, excellent question. Let me break it down for you. On Sunday, July 15, 1962, after taking off from Floyd Bennett Field in Brooklyn on a training mission, the T-2V-1 two-seater jet which Philip Lobo and Donald Troy were co-piloting experienced engine trouble and crash-landed in a swamp in West Milford, New Jersey. Both men survived with minor injuries, and the following day the Navy sent a helicopter—of course they have helicopters—to airlift out the engine of the crash site, leaving the rest of the wreckage behind. Forever. Forever? Forever ever? Like it's still there nearly 50 years later? Clearly this called for some on-site reconnaissance. After assembling a squad of highly trained suburban adventurers, most of us went to liberal arts colleges, meaning everyone was okay at a little bit of everything, we set off into the depths of New Jersey. We were like the A-team, only instead of having the awesome black van, we had a rented beige minivan. That and collectively we had fewer gold chains. The GPS coordinates placed the wreckage in the middle of some woods outside a housing development. Despite my uncanny sense of direction, the wreckage managed to elude us. The woods started off nice and dry and woodsy, but soon devolved into, well, Dagobah, basically. Swamp, mosquitoes, stench. Continuing along with our A-team roleplay, we wondered aloud if this is what Vietnam was like, but quickly determined that since we were very voluntarily, we were not being shot at, and we were only up to our sneakers and swamp rather than our waists, we should probably stop bitching. That said, morale was low. The group had broken up, and we were yelling to one another from afar. After about 20 minutes, approximately 2.3 Wookiees, we found ourselves some higher and drier ground to rest and assess the situation. Referring back to the GPS coordinates, it seemed like we should have been right on top of the plane, but it was nowhere in sight. I scanned the woods looking for anything resembling the 1960s. Hippies, color televisions, women voting. Nothing. Then, out of the corner of my eye, I saw something metal. Or maybe it was a tree branch. No, something metal. Maybe. B.A. Baracus, or Matt, scouted ahead, trudging back into the marsh to determine the metal or non-metal status of the object in question. The verdict? 
metal. We had found the nose of the plane. We headed back down into the marsh. The nose of the jet had been dragged from the fuselage. It was sitting atop a piece of plywood. Presumably someone had cut the nose free and had plans to make off with it for their own nefarious purposes, but they gave up. Presumably because it was an enormous chunk of metal and they were attempting to drag it out of a swamp. Idiots. But where was the rest of the plane? A quick survey of the surrounding area revealed the answer. Deeper into the swamp. True to its Dagobahian roots, the jet was definitely stuck in the muck. We made our way over to the body of the plane, stepping on fallen trees and semi-dry patches of moss with minimal soaked shoes. B.A. Baracus did surprisingly well through all this, given his well-known distaste for planes. Standing atop the wings of the jet, it was clear this hunk of metal had seen better days. Like, way better. For example, July 14th, 1962, totally better day. July 15th, 1962, substantially worse than the 14th. June 19th, 2011, pretty goddamn grim. Fifty years is a long time in plane years. Plants were growing into the wings. Wires, buttons, anything that was easy to remove had long since been scavenged by scavengers. Those who scavenge. And despite the jet being used for training, it was riddled with holes, no doubt used as target practice over the decades. After surveying the wreckage for a Wookiee or two and coming up with some solid conspiracy theories as to what had happened, shot down by Reptoid seemed to be the consensus, we headed back to the B-Team van. So while it wasn't a crashed X-Wing and Yoda was nowhere to be found, it was a training mission and it was a crash plane in a swamp. I think we can call this one, boys. George Lucas, stealing other people's lunch money since 1977.